for tuning in to the 343rd episode of Barbershop Sports Talk with me, your host, Daryl D. Lane, as always, wherever you are, however you may be listening, I want to thank you for making me and this show part of your day, whether it be via Spotify, iTunes, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, SoundCloud, whichever podcasting app or platform you may be listening to me via. Gonna have a great podcast for all you guys today, going to have... Ben Karen, host of the Sports Crawler Podcast, to talk about a lot. We are going to talk about week six of NFL action. We are going to talk about week seven of college football action. We're also going to delve into a lot of stories going on. Ben Karen's Texas A&M Aggies, they won against Alabama. Huge upset in College Station. We're going to get his reactions on that. Cincinnati, the little guys, they move up in the rankings. Also... Uh, what's going on with John Gruden, some more Urban Meyer news. Uh, we're going to find out uh, who is keeping it real in Ben Karen's eyes. And of course, I forgot to mention, Thursday Night Football, Tampa Bay Buccaneers, Tom Brady versus Jalen Hurts. The Buccaneers win 28-22, I believe, right? That was the final score. Uh so a lot to discuss with Ben Karen, by the way, uh, being recorded from Buffalo, New York, 11.36 p.m. Eastern Time. Now, before we get to that, I want to say this. First time listener, thank you. Subscribe and follow right now. Also, share this podcast with your friends and family, whether it be via Red Threads, Facebook group chats, etc., etc. Subscribe to my YouTube channel, Daryl Lynn. I post three to five minute clips of this podcast right here, as well as my syndicate show, Outside the Shop, where I talk about a bunch of different stuff. I give gambling advice. I do rankings. Uh, talk about the stories of the day that I just don't get a chance to talk about right here. Follow me on Twitter, at NightTrain underscore Lane. And lastly, if you have Apple or if you have iTunes, give me five stars and a great review. And for some odd reason, right, if you don't like the podcast, then don't say anything. Because you know what your mama told you. If you don't have anything nice to say, don't say it at all. And coming up next, out of the break on Barbershop Sports Talk, we're going to get to Ben Karen, host of the Sports Crawl Podcast. Coming up next, out of the break on Barbershop Sports Talk. Oh, we're back with Barbershop Sports Talk, and we have the man, the myth, the legend. He's a teacher. He's a school psychologist. Texas A&M Aggies fan. He's a father. He's a husband. He's a son. He's a brother. Ben Karen, how you doing? I'm great tonight, Daryl. How are you? I am doing fabulous, and we got a lot to discuss first. Uh, and I was just actually talking to you about this off the air, but I do want to get your opinion on this right here. Uh, so Jalen Hurts struggled throwing the football tonight. He was 12 of 26. That's not very good. Four, about four yards uh, per pass. Uh, one touchdown, one interception, a 55.7 quarterback rating. Uh, and this is a year for Jalen where if he doesn't play well, Philadelphia is going to be looking in the draft uh, for a quarterback. 
Uh, and a lot of the concerns about Jalen have always been about his accuracy, accuracy issues. Can he do it from the pocket? What have you made of his performance so far during this game and just the season in general? Well, I think he is at a point in time where he disqualified himself from being the starting quarterback for the Philadelphia Eagles into the future. Obviously, he needs to play better than he did tonight. But one thing that's working in his favor is a lot of the defenses he's going to be playing against are not going to be as good as Tampa Bay. I still give him a reasonably good shot down the road of maintaining that starting position for the Philadelphia Eagles moving forward. So you don't think he's fully disqualified himself yet? Not by a long shot. See, I guess my thing is when you see you see other quarterbacks like, is he better than Mac Jones? It depends on how you look at it. I mean, I think he's he's better as far as his mobility goes. I'm not sure he's better at throwing the football right now. That's very true. But I guess my thing is, at some point, how much better at throwing the football can you get? Because we've seen him for two years. We've seen him for two years. I think you can get quite a bit better, Daryl. I mean, he didn't even start last year. And I don't think you have to even look that far to see this. We know that when uh, your guy that you're very high on, Josh Allen, the quarterback up in Buffalo, when he came out, he was not very accurate at all with the football. And he's managed to bolster his accuracy almost every single year since he's been in the NFL. That is very true. So, in terms of Tampa, uh, the Brady-Antonio Brown connection is starting to get kind of scary. So, Brady to Brown, that's nine receptions, 93 yards. Do you think Antonio Brown's becoming Brady's favorite target besides Gronk? 100% yes. Uh, Brady has That's very true. Are you shocked uh, how good Tampa's been so far this year? No, I'm not shocked at all. In fact, I think they've kind of underperformed. I think they should be undefeated right now. I don't think we've even seen them play their best football yet. Really? How, how far do you think they are from playing their best football? That's pretty reasonable. So now that I got you warmed up, Ben, let's get to the the hard-hitting stuff, the the tough questions, as they say. So John Gruden, you're a big fan. Uh, He got brought down. I thought there was a hit job on him, personally. That's what I think. And he was taken down for some comments and emails that were made uh, 10 years ago, spanning all the way up. Uh, to as early as 2018 when he was still at ESPN doing Monday Night Football before, I do want to stress, before he was with the Las Vegas Raiders 
and now John Gruden has resigned. He resigned on Monday. It was kind of apropos that he resigned on Monday night of all things. Just what are your thoughts of that story and that situation in general? Well, first and foremost, Daryl, he's certainly in the wrong as far as the things that he, he got caught saying. And John Gruden as a man has a lot of growing to do if those are some of the beliefs that he has. Um, when, I, when, I part, when, when I'm thinking about this, I'm trying to compartmentalize it. it. It gets really difficult for me because I was always a big fan of John Gruden, the football coach. Um, but it... it he certainly seems like he is this two-sided kind of guy that everybody has been talking about. Guys like Keyshawn Johnson in the media have been mentioning this, where he has this really good front when he is, you know, commentating on the games and coaching, but, but then he kind of has this dark side, too. Based on what he's done, I mean, I think he should probably resign as the head coach of the Raiders. Uh, but it does pain me as a person that was a fan of his for a long time to see him go out this way. How shocked were you when you heard the news that he was going to be resigning? 100% shocked. Did you think it would get to this point? Because this story kind of broke on a Friday night, right? Friday night, Friday evening, and just how it escalated all the way to the Moore Smith Big Lips comments uh, all the way to, you know, Saturday. Then Sunday you had the game. They kind of have a dud, a game that we actually were both wrong on. The Bears ended up beating the Raiders. And then it gets to Monday and it all comes to like a fever pitch, right? Were you kind of shocked how, how it just escalated and happened so quickly? Because it seemed like he was going to survive this. And then there's more emails. somebody out there that wanted all this information out in the public and, and I think they kind of wanted to uh, essentially end his career and his involvement with the NFL. Yeah, I agree with you with that too because you know, the the crazy thing that I don't think is being talked enough about this, and maybe that's because the NFL is as powerful as they are is that this was not an investigation into John Gruden. Like, <laughs> John Gruden was not supposed to be the target of the person's emails they were supposed to be looking into. They're supposed to be looking into uh, workplace misconduct with Daniel Snyder and the Washington football team. None of which John Gruden was affiliated with at the time. He never has worked with them. His brother Jay Gruden did, but John Gruden himself has never worked with them. And John Gruden was with ESPN at the time. He wasn't even with the NFL. So... I guess the, the crazy part about this is the guy who got fired for misconduct was collateral damage for a an investigation that was going on with something completely different. And there's like over like 7,000 emails or something crazy like that. And it's like the only email that you get that, that's unseemly is John Gruden's. No, yeah, I completely, I completely agree with you. And John's just the one 
who got caught. Do you think you do you think though this is the end for John? It's hard to say. There have been other people that have you know committed egregious acts where I thought it was the end for them, and they kind of managed to make a comeback. You look at. A, a number of people out there, guys like Michael Vick, for instance, um, that we thought, well, there's no way that he's coming back from that, and, and now he's back in the media again, and he got to go back and play football. So I guess I would say never say never, but I think it's pretty unlikely that we're ever going to see John Gruden coaching in the NFL again, uh, or for that matter, even being a member of the media. So I'd say chances are greater than not that I think he's done. Yeah, I would agree with you. I think that's the saddest part about all this. He doesn't even, I mean, and we were talking about, uh, right, John Gruden signs an ironclad 10-year deal. is only in the fourth year of the deal, and now he's gone. It's kind of like, and Derek Carr was starting to play his best football of his career with John, uh, the, I mean, which was quietly going under the radar. So I think that's going to be interesting. Do you think we could see this Raiders team just kind of bottom out the rest of the year? I think at this point they might, and it's a really sad thing, for, especially for Raiders fans, because I really feel that John Gruden was on the, on the verge of building a dynasty in Las Vegas. As crazy as people are going to call me for that, I think they were a lot closer than people think. We saw how well he was getting the team to perform, and... The Las Vegas Raiders is not a team that's getting accused of having a lot of talent at this point in time, Daryl. So that, to me, is extremely impressive that he was able to get that much um, out, of, out of the team. In terms of all of this, uh, I think another interesting part is uh, John Gruden was taken out of the Tampa Ring of Honor. What are your feelings on that? Well, you know that I disagree with him being removed from the Ring of Honor. I understand why they did it. I think it's an optics thing. I think they're trying to take the stand and say, hey, we disagree with the things he said, especially the comments that were insensitive and divisive. But on the same token, the man won them a Super Bowl. That all happened long before any of these emails. And I feel at some point like they're just trying to erase history or or amend history to just leave them out. And I think in a way, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, Daryl, are being a little bit fraudulent here because I think if they weren't the defending Super Bowl champions, I don't think they would have had the guts to do that. Really? Now, why do you think that's the case? I think it's only just that, that Tom Brady came in and they were able to turn the page and now they have kind of a new dynasty. They've had success with another person. That they're finally kind of moving on from Gruden because the Buccaneers as an organization have traditionally been really bad, Daryl. We're talking about one of the only teams in history to go all season without a win, and I think that's back in 1974. How would you feel about, I guess the, the also likelihood is, uh, and the, another damning thing about this whole situation is that 
it was just announced in terms of the NFL Hall of Fame that a coach would get inducted into the Hall of Fame each year uh, with each class. So that was going to um, you know, make it easier for coaches to get in. I don't think a guy like Mike Shanahan is in the Hall of Fame because of that. So it makes it easier for a bunch of these different coaches to get in. And you would think, theoretically, uh, that would help a guy like Gruden eventually get in. And now it looks like with this situation, he's been t- taken out of the Ring of Honor the way he's been fired. He might not get into the Hall of Fame. How would you feel about that? starts opening his mind to some new things. We've seen a lot of other people with a lot of problems over the course of their careers get into the Hall of Fame still. And if we're looking at it purely from a football standpoint, Gruden has a winning record. He has a Super Bowl ring. I don't think from a football standpoint there's any reason why he should not be inducted. So... If that's the case, then we have to start holding all these people accountable for not only what they do in the football career, but what they're doing off the field as well. And I think that changes the whole landscape of the Hall of Fame pretty drastically. I I would agree with you uh, in terms of that take. So next, I want to go to this, and I find this very interesting in, in the sports landscape. So... Another coach news, Irvin Meyer. So there's another uh, report that's coming out of Jacksonville, and it says this. Jaguars head coach never had the locker room uh, to lose before viral video. When you hear that headline, what do you think? I'm sorry, what's your question? He, they said he never had the locker room to lose. So he never had it to begin with. Urban. Yes. And and this is where we get back into this whole situation that we kind of scraped the surface on last week. I don't know why the NFL is just chock full of people that don't want to see outsiders from the college game or elsewhere succeed. And I think there's just been a lot of hate for Urban Meyer even before the incident happened. It may very well be true that he does not have the locker room right now. I do think he has to actually win some games and prove himself as a head coach. But I also think he's capable of doing that, Daryl. I don't think that's like too high of a mountain for him to scale. They're, get, they're getting better every week until last week when I feel like they regressed a little bit, but it's still a long season. And we're expecting him to do an awful lot with essentially no talent outside of maybe Trevor Lawrence. Why do you think that they're not giving him the chance to prove himself? Well, I think in the NFL, there's definitely some people that the general consensus is they've paid their dues and they haven't gotten opportunities. And I think people in the NFL get sour a little bit when an outsider like Urban Meyer comes in um, you know, and, and takes that spot from somebody who a lot of NFL people feel might be more deserving. 
you know, and you and I have talked before. I, I've told you in my heart of hearts, I believe Eric Bieniemy is an example of somebody that's paid their dues and been in the NFL a long time, and definitely a person that deserves a shot at being a head coach. Um, and I think some people get upset when they see people like Eric Bieniemy getting passed over for an Urban Meyer who's coming out of the college game. Yeah, I can see how that would upset some people. So. Let's go to this. So Kyrie Irving. So this is was the report on Kyrie. So I want to read this to you, Ben. So multiple sources with direct knowledge of Irving's decision have told the Athletic that Irving is not anti-vaccine, and that his stance is that he is upset that people are losing their jobs due to vaccine mandates. Mandates. It's a stance that Irving has explained to close teammates. To him, this is about a grander fight. Uh, than the one on the court and Irving is challenging a perceived control of society and people's livelihoods according to sources with knowledge of Irving's mindset. It is a decision that he believes he is capable to make given his current life dynamics. Kyrie wants to be a voice for the voiceless, one source said. When I When you hear that, what do you think? <laughs> so Ben, you're not very impressed. Well, this is the most crazy idea he's cooked up, and, and he's not making any sense. Clearly, he's free to do it as he pleases and as he wishes, and he has the freedom to do so. But the thing with freedom and choices, you're not free of the consequences. And we're starting to see teammates such as James Harden and Kevin Durant that are getting sick and tired of dealing with him. These guys are out trying to win a championship, and they're one of the favorites in the NBA. And Kyrie's proving that, that he can't be depended on to help the team. And if I'm Kyrie right now, I think he should be thinking long and hard about this because he's about to throw away yet another great position that he's in. We've already seen him come up really short when he was in, in my opinion, a great situation in Boston, and now he's about to throw away another great situation here with the Nets. If he messes this up and he gets traded, I think this is probably it for his championship window. Do you think Kyrie's keeping it real? No, I think he just doesn't want to get the vaccine. Do you think, at what point do you think Kevin Durant and James Harden, because it's also what's happened is they've sent, the Brooklyn Nets have sent him home. Uh, obviously, that had to get an okay with KD and Harden because they're the two other stars on the team as well as uh, Sean Marks, the Nets owner, and the Nets GM as well as the Nets owner. Uh, they just sent him home and said, we don't want part-time players. Uh, Kyrie has the choice to... Take a vaccine that will not make him a part-time player. And when he's not a part-time player, we will open him back into the locker room, into the practice facility, into the arena with open arms. But until that happens, he's a part-time player and we are not, we do not need part-time players right now. If you're Kevin Durant, how what do you say to Kyrie to make him change his mind and say, hey, we need you. Like we get that you think you're doing all this other stuff, but we need you to win a championship. vaccine and therefore be able to play and stay with the Brooklyn Nets, 
I would start by reminding him about how close the Nets were to winning the championship last year. Kevin Durant, even without Kyrie Irving and James Harden not being 100%, they managed to take the eventual champs to overtime of Game 7, and they would have won that if Durant's toe hadn't have been on the line. So that's how close they were. So if, if you have a healthy Kyrie Irving and a healthy James Harden, to me, I think that's the recipe where you might be able to compete for the next three championships, potentially. So I don't think Kyrie is just walking out on this one season. I think if he chooses to not get the vaccine, he might be walking out on a potential dynasty opportunity. So that would be my sales pitch to him. You think part of this with Kyrie is he just doesn't like being told what to do? Absolutely. (laughs) When do you think the Nets need to look into trading Kyrie? Right now. So you'd be gone with them right now. Absolutely. I'm done with this foolishness. I, I would take essentially whatever I could get for him. I mean, at this point, I think that their best thing to do is probably trade him straight up for Ben Simmons. Yeah, I mean, and Kyrie has also stated there's been reports that he would uh, threaten to retire. Kyrie said he's uh, not going to retire. I think one interesting thing is he did an Instagram Live, and one thing he said is, Make no mistake, I want to be playing right now. That's one of the things he said, and I thought that was funny because I'm like, well, you're not playing right now, so let's not say that. Like, let's not be that, have that much conviction, right? He's like, make no mistake. You guys think I want to lose half of my salary? And I'm like, well, your actions would show differently, Kyrie. Right. You've got the freedom. You don't have the freedom from the consequences of your choices. That is very true. So what we're going to do is we're going to take a quick break. Coming up next on the break on Barbershop Sports Talk, we're going to get to NFL predictions for week six. Coming up next out of the break on Barbershop Sports Talk. With Barbershop Sports Talk, we still have Ben and Karen with us, host of the Sports Squad podcast. So, Miami at Jacksonville. It's going to be 9.30 a.m., 6.30 a.m. your time in London and Wembley Stadium. Some European football, not soccer, but the NFL. Ben, what do you see going down? I'm actually going to go with the Jaguars, 21-20. The Jaguars have to win at some point. I don't think they're going to go undefeated. The Dolphins have not been very good. I mean, the Buccaneers just shred them to pieces. Jacoby Brissett is still going to start. He's a backup quarterback, and he hasn't been playing super great. Uh, So I think, you know, this is a game that I think Jacksonville can sneak one. I think we're going to see 
Trevor Lawrence and Urban Meyer put their best foot forward for this game. Next up, we have the Kansas City Chiefs at the Washington football team. Ben, what do you see? I think the Chiefs are going to find a way to put up quite a few points, and I just don't think Washington can hang with them in a shootout. So I will say Kansas City is going to put up about 40 points, and Washington is going to put 23 up. I'm going to agree with you. I'm going to go with the Chiefs, and I'll say 35 to 24. I think Kansas City is going to shred apart this Washington defense that's really underperformed. Uh, throughout most of the year. And I think Taylor Heineke, I think we're going to see a couple of interceptions. I think we're going to see them on the the Chiefs, uh, the Washington defense on short fields. uh, And uh, Kansas City's going to be able to score. So next up, we have the L.A. Chargers. This should be the L.A. Rams at the New York Football Giants. I'm going to go with the Rams here. I think it's going to be closer than people think. I'll go with Rams 31, Giants 25. New York tends to play some of the really good teams really close, and I think we'll see that again, but I don't think they'll pull out an upset. See, I'm going to go with... I'll stay along the lines of what you said, and I'm also going to assume Daniel Jones is going to start. I don't think if Daniel Jones ends up starting, then this game is going to be very different, but I'll say Rams 21 to the Giants 17. Uh, I think the Rams will find a way, but I think the Giants will muck up the game a little bit on defense. They're obviously coming off a thrashing against the Dallas Cowboys, so I think they're going to be motivated to represent themselves better than what they did the week prior. So next up, we have the Houston Texans at the Indianapolis Colts. Any chance Houston pulls off the upset? I'm going to go with the Colts 23 to Houston 20. Uh, They're just a better football team. There's no way they should lose this. Houston has been scrappy. I mean, they almost beat New England, which was one of the shockers of the week, and I was shocked that game was as close as it was. But Houston's a scrappy team, and David Cully has some fighting. Next up, we have the Cincinnati Bengals at the Detroit Lions. Can Detroit get their first win of the season? Not against the Bengals team, Daryl. Bengals have been looking good. I think it's not again. Lions will play tough. They'll keep it close. But I will go with the Bengals here. 28, Detroit 27. I'm going to go with the Bengals, and I'll say the Bengals 28 uh, to the Lions 21. Uh, I just don't think the Lions have the firepower. Uh, and I don't think they have the offense to where I think they can actually outscore the Bengals. I think the Bengals are realizing that they have a chance to be in the wildcard picture for the Bengals to get to where they want to get to uh, at the end of the season. They're going to need to win games like this as, you know, and stack up those wins in the win columns, right? If they're going to lose to a team in the Packers, they probably should lose to. You got to beat a team in the Lions that you're supposed to beat. That's just the way it has to work. So next up, we have the Green Bay Packers at the Chicago Bears. I'm going to go with Green Bay 30 to Chicago's 20. 
uh, even though that Bengals game was a lot closer than I personally thought. Uh, Justin Fields is in Joe Burrow, at least not yet. While I do think that Bears defense is something that Aaron Rodgers is going to have to deal with, I think the run-pass balance that Green Bay has, combined with the combination of Devontae Adams, I think it's going to be very difficult for the Bears to contain. So next up, we have the LA Chargers at the Baltimore Ravens. I'm going to go with uh, Los Angeles in this game, Daryl. Los Angeles has just been playing better football than Baltimore. Um, And I will go with Justin Herbert to get the job done on the road. And I'm thinking it's going to be Los Angeles 23, Baltimore 21. So I'm going to go with the Chargers as well. I'm going to say they win. I'll say 38 to Baltimore's 35. Going to see a lot of points scored. Going to see a lot of spectacular plays with Justin Herbert and Lamar Jackson, two of the more special athletes at the position in the NFL. But the way the Brandon Staley's been coaching has been phenomenal so far, and the way Herbert's been playing as a quarterback has been phenomenal. And I think Baltimore's defense is slightly overrated, so I think that's going to be an issue as well. So I'm going... Chargers 38-235. Next up, we have the Minnesota Vikings at the Carolina Panthers. To me, this is a game of two teams that are very similar. Quarterbacks we don't really trust. They both have good weapons, pretty good defenses, but, you know, teams that we think we that we want more from. Who do you got in this game? Well, I'm going to agree with you first and foremost. I, I think they're very similar teams. Yeah. I will lean with the Panthers in a home game. Um, I'll say Carolina 35, Minnesota 30. And actually, as I'm thinking about this, is McCaffrey playing? I don't think so. Okay, so since McCaffrey's not playing, you know what I'm going to go? I'm going to go with the mini upset. I'm going to go with Minnesota. Uh, This is one of the hardest games to pick of the weekend for me, Ben. Like I said, two teams that are exactly the same. Like, you don't know what you're getting from these two teams. Kirk Cousins can go off the deep end. Sam Darnold can go off the deep end. They both have pretty talented rosters that you look at and you're like, you know, if they had a guy at the QB position you trust, you'd be like, this team could actually be pretty interesting. So I'm going to go with uh, the Vikings, and I'm going to say they win 19-17 to in a weird defensive struggle Uh Next up, we have the Arizona Cardinals at the Cleveland Browns. Yeah, this is going to be a good game this weekend. This is one I'd recommend tuning in for. Is this a game for the fans, Ben? Oh, it's definitely a game for the fans. Actually, Ben, I'll I'll tell you this. uh, I actually got invited to go to the game. Well, you should go. Well, Well, Ben, then the person who invited me forgot that I live in Buffalo. I drive out. <laughs> I, I was Ben. I, I was thinking about it, but I was like, uh, I was like, that, that that's a little bit too far for me to do right now, just on a whim. But it will be a very good game. Well, I don't think it's going to be an especially exciting game. But what I what I see happening here, Daryl, is Arizona. One thing they haven't done well is run defense, and that's the one thing that Cleveland does really well is run the football. So I think Cleveland's going to run the football. They're going to control the clock. And uh, Kyler Murray's going to sit on the sideline. And Cleveland's going to get the job done here. I'll say it's going to end up being 28-24 Cleveland. 
You know, I'm going to go with Arizona. I think Baker's going to have a couple turnovers in this game while Arizona, they have a smallish defense. They have a lot of quick, athletic, twitchy guys. They're not a very physical, powerful type defense that can really plug up the running game, right? They don't have a lot of those big defensive linemen, those big 260, 270-pound linebackers that can just clog up the run game. But I think they're going to be able to do some good stuff in pass coverage. I think uh, Baker's going to throw it away a couple of times. I think Kyler's going to score when he needs to score. So I'm going to say the... Cardinals win 30 to, I'll say the Browns, 27, but highly competitive game. So next we have the Las Vegas Raiders at the Denver Broncos. Mm, Tough game to pick with everything that's going on. And I do want to say this. Denver's gotten the very uh has gotten a very easy schedule so far. I mean, they get the Jets, they get the Giants, they get the Jaguars, and then they, they get gift gift wrapped. Uh this Raiders situation that was bad. They had the Steelers before. They kind of should have won that game. Uh, if they were gonna be a legit team to make the playoffs. The Steelers team that's reeling. They've had a very favorable schedule. Yeah, this is a game you gotta win, uh, and even two for the Raiders. I mean, these are two teams that both started out three and out. I mean, if the Raiders want to have any semblance of not having their season go down the drain, they're gonna have to win this too. Because if the Raiders don't win this, I think this can spiral out of control where they have a top five pick in the draft. Well, I think that's where we're on our way to. Yeah, I'm gonna go with uh, the Broncos. I'll say twenty-one to nineteen. <clears throat> So next we have the Dallas Cowboys at the New England Patriots. I'm going to go with the Cowboys to win this one. I don't think it's going to be as close as people think. Um, I'll go with Dallas 31, New England 16. I'm going to go with Dallas 29 to New England 19. Uh, New England not look good against the Houston Texans. Dallas looked phenomenal against the Giants. Dallas has one of the most talented teams in the NFL. The Patriots have one of the... Their team isn't that talented. I'm not going to say they have one of the least talented teams in the NFL. They have one of the least talented offenses in the NFL. Uh, but their defense didn't look good to Davis Mills. You know when David, Davis Mills has had the best game of any of the rookie quarterbacks this year. Ben, if I told you Davis Mills had a better game than Trevor Lawrence, Justin Fields, Matt Jones, Trey Lance, even Kellen We can throw Kellen on there. You probably would have thought I was crazy, right? Be- better game than all those guys so far, and it happened against the Patriots defense. That is not a good sign. So next up, we have the Seattle Seahawks at the Pittsburgh Steelers, NBC, Sunday Night Football, 8.20 p.m. Ben, is this a game for the fans? No, I don't think so. I think it's going to be kind of a sloppy game. Seattle's going to find a way to get it done. 
So I will go with Seattle in an ugly one, 17-14 against the Steelers. I'm going to go with the Steelers, 17-13. There is no way that the Steelers should lose this game. They should feast on Geno Smith. As long as Ben Roethlisberger can just not just be a, a complete waste of space out there, there is no way that Pittsburgh should just, you know, lose this game, particularly since the Seattle defense hasn't been great to this point either. So next up, we have Monday Night Football, 8.15 p.m. Eastern on ESPN, the Buffalo Bills at the Tennessee Titans. Ben, tell me what I want to hear. Yeah, Ben, I... They lost a little bit of a chip on their shoulder, too, Daryl. The Titans beat them last year. The Titans kind of embarrassed them last year. Uh, so, this time around, Buffalo's going to be ready to go. Uh, Buffalo, 30. Tennessee, 26. I'm going to go with the Bills. We'll say they put a 40-burger on, on the Titans, and I still say the Titans get, like, 24 points. Uh, they're going to do whatever they want. This Titans defense has been awful. Uh, I think they're going to shred them similarly to how the Cardinals shredded them in week one. This Titans team is not very good. Their offensive line in terms of pass blocking isn't great. All they have is Derrick Henry, and God bless Derrick Henry. I think people should be having Derrick Henry more in the discussion for league MVP because what Derrick Henry does for the—I've never seen Derrick a player take a a more awful, average, mediocre team and just make them competent. More so than Derrick Henry. That guy should get MVP for that. I'm sorry. I know everybody wants to talk about the quarterbacks. But without Derrick Henry, Tennessee does not have a win on the season. He They, they just don't. They just don't. Every win they get is literally because they're running Derrick Henry into the ground. Uh, so I'm going to go with the Bills. So next up. We're going to take another break. And then kind of next after the break on Barbershop Sports Talk. We're going to get into our college football predictions for week seven. Kind of next at the break on Barbershop Sports Talk. with Barbershop Sports Talk, and we still have Ben Karen with us, host of the Sports Wilder Podcast. So, Ben, where do we start? Uh, before we get into the predictions, we, we got to talk about everything that went down uh, for last week of college football. Let, let's start with this. So, Zach Kilsada leads one of the most improbable wins in maybe your sports lifetime. Was it, Ben, one of the most improbable wins of your sports lifetime, slaying the, gi- the giant that is Alabama? Zach Calzada all of a sudden went from this guy that couldn't throw a football a couple weeks ago, who I was pretty convinced wasn't going to make it in D1. And then he comes out and plays a pretty darn good game against Alabama, and they get the win. And nobody predicted that they were going to win. 
you and I were both on this show on Thursday, and we both agreed it was going to get ugly. At what point were you like, he's actually going to take this home? Well, I kept checking the score. I was uh, up north on vacation, and we didn't have cable out there, so <laughs> I missed watching the game live. Uh, and I, I was just surprised early that the Aggies were ahead. And then I'd say, we're getting to the end of the game, and there's about five minutes left. And Calzada takes them down the field, and they score another touchdown, and they go up, and they just kind of keep uh, the serve. You know, and, and that's when I, when I, it kind of clicked for me, wow, they might actually win this game. Um, and this to me is just evidence beyond evidence that Jimbo Fisher was the right choice for the job of head coach at Texas A&M. A lot of the uh, other people in the Aggie Network, a lot of the A&M fans have been complaining Jimbo wasn't worth the money. We all know they had to shell out a lot of money for Jimbo Fisher. It was uh, similar to the John Gruden-type contract in the NFL. But I think Jimbo Fisher is completely delivered. This has to easily be probably the biggest win at home at Kyle Field in the history of A&M sports, uh, or at least again in my lifetime. Will Zach Calzada ever have to buy another drink in College Station again? I don't think he's going to have to, Bill. And I give him the tip of the hat. I, I'm still a little bit unsure about what I'm getting from him week to week. Uh, but we can all agree that his ceiling is sizably higher than we all thought it, it would be. Is this how you get remembered in College Station, though? Like, because when you see this, I, and I also do, I'm, just, I'm looking this up right now, they got fined, like, over 100000 under grand, for storing the field? Yes, it, it, it doesn't happen very often. But I was happy to see it, even with the fine. You know? <laughs> well, they can pay it, Ben. They can pay it. It was just one heck of a game, and this is obviously biggest marquee win, I think, of Jimbo Fisher's career. I would say that, along with that game against LSU that went to seven overtimes where we ended the streak and beat LSU. Uh, so, it was just a great night to be an Aggie last Saturday. It was a lot of fun, even though I didn't get to catch the game live. And I would say Jimbo Fisher getting Zach Calzada into that kind of position so quickly and getting him to grow so quickly, Jimbo is an absolute wizard as a head coach, Daryl, and I, I actually don't think he gets enough credit among the college football greats. And he proved last Saturday that he is a great coach. Yeah, and also what I'll say, too, is that can only help recruiting because when Jimbo's coming in parents' living rooms, he can point to that game and say, if you want to be part of something... Like, you know, we're building something here. I mean, he can definitely say that. Uh, and he can also say, hey, for what you might think Zach Calzada is, uh, we got him ready to play and we've developed him. And now look what he's doing. Do you think this gives him the right to keep the starting job moving forward? Oh, absolutely. For the rest of the year? I mean, I, I, think, it, I think it's his until, um, you know, he, he messes up. 
I think we are getting kind of close to possibly replacing him because the last three games have been pretty bad. Or the last four, I would say. I mean, obviously, they've beaten New Mexico pretty easy, but they scraped by against Colorado, and then they did not look very good offensively against uh, Mississippi State or Arkansas. I would at least say he, he gets to play the next three games now, and we'll see where, where we go after that. How would you compare this upset win to the one in uh, Tuscaloosa with Kevin Sumlin and Johnny Manziel? Well, I think they're completely different. When when we saw Johnny Manziel play for the first time, and I was a student at A&M at the time, there was a lot of buzz. Right? We knew game one, Johnny Manziel was there to compete. Uh, and we saw the talent game one. We saw the mobility. We saw the ability to throw on the move. We saw these things. It was still surprising when you go into Bryant-Denny Stadium and you win a game. That's not something anybody in college football necessarily expects to do. Um, So that was still shocking that we were able to go to Tuscaloosa and win. But I think we knew, hey, sooner or later... This Johnny Manziel guy, he has a ton of talent, and he could pop at any given time. But this this win with Zach Calzada, a lot of people didn't think Zach Calzada had a very high ceiling, Daryl. We weren't seeing the, the talent. We were all expecting that A&M was going to lose badly. And instead, he basically delivered probably the greatest home win um, in A&M football history. How tough of a night game environment is Kyle Field? Well, I think it doesn't get the respect it deserves as far as tough places to play. Um, but when you have 100,000 plus people and they're standing the entire game, the place is just roaring with noise. It's a very tough place to go play. I would put it right up there at this point um, with Death Valley, LSU. Hard to go there and win a night game. And the fans are absolutely zealots of the game. I mean, these people live, breathe, eat college football all day, every day. You know, Texas A&M, there are a lot of people with a lot of pride at that school. And, and they show up for these games, win, lose, or draw on, on Saturdays. So I want to go to this other college football story that's been percolating. So Spencer Rattler, it looks like for all intents and purposes, he's been benched. Uh, what do you think about that whole situation? Well, I think it's the right move for Oklahoma to make. Uh, they just did not look good all year with Spencer Rattler. And to be honest, Spencer Rattler didn't even look that good last year. I'm starting to wonder if Oklahoma is just not the right fit for him. I do think he will end up transferring eventually. For the rest of this season, I think he'll probably soldier on with the Sooners and try to do whatever he can when asked to help them win games. Uh, But I can't see him staying at Oklahoma as a backup quarterback, Daryl. So let's put you in this position. Let's say Granger was uh, Spencer Rattler. What would you be telling him right now? Well, for the time being, I'd be telling him, you got to do whatever you can to 
to contribute to your team, even if you're not starting. I, I would not be encouraging him to quit, you know, on his team halfway through the season or anything like that. Uh, I think he needs to finish out the season with the Sooners. Uh, now, when next season rolls around, I'd be, I'd be talking with him about possibly transferring to a different school where he'd get a, an opportunity to be a starter, kind of a fresh start. So right now, Granger would not be allowed to be looking through the transfer portal. Now, do you think Spencer Rattler should stay? So, do you think there's any chance he stays? I don't think so. The guy wants to be a starter. I think he's got a lot of talent. And I think maybe he'll go somewhere else where somebody will be willing to work with him and, and develop him. Now, here's my one thing that I'll say. I think what's interesting about this is Spencer Rattley was a guy who was projected to be a top 10 pick in this upcoming NFL draft. There were a lot of mock drafts that had him number one, and his coach just benched him. And basically, for all intents and purposes, he's probably going to have to transfer. He's probably going to have to be in college for another year, which I'm sure he was not planning to start this season. And this kind of has a ripple effect through his career. No, that's that's very fair right there. So, bigger shocker to you that BYU went down or that Cincinnati was number three in the AP poll? <laughs> now it's got to be Cincinnati being at number three, Daryl. I, I think that's just beyond crazy. I think people have lost their minds. So, so, so Ben, I just want to clarify this. Cincinnati is ranked above Alabama. Would you have ever thought at any point this year Cincinnati would be ranked ahead of Alabama? No, I don't. I just, it's so unbelievable. I mean, it, it seems laughable, you know. I know tomorrow if Alabama and Cincinnati play, Alabama's winning that game. Well, upsets can happen as we saw last weekend, though. That's fair. I will say this, though. They have more NFL players than Iowa, for what it's worth. Well, that, that might be. But I, I guess I just look at it, Daryl, and I don't think Cincinnati, even if they hosted Alabama, could win the game. I don't think Cincinnati's better than Oregon because I don't think Cincinnati has the ability to go to the horseshoe and lead Ohio State for the entire game. You know, they just haven't really got a big win that really impressed me. I mean, yes, they won at South Bend and Notre Dame, but at the end of the day, I just don't think Notre Dame is going to be that good of a team when the dust settles. 
And again, they're three. The AP has them three. It is going to be very interesting to see what the college football playoff committee has them to start off. Because, Ben, if they start at three, they're in. Do you think they, they might start them at the top four, though? I, I still think that's a big one for them if they start at top four. I, I think they're going to be in, like, seven. That's my prediction. Really? Yeah, I mean, I just don't see how you justify, Daryl, putting them ahead of Oregon right now. Well, I mean, the AP or, did. Or Oklahoma, or Alabama, or Ohio State. I mean, to me, that's just crazy. Now, if one of those teams I mentioned loses another game, then yeah, I think then they for sure would go under Cincinnati. Um, but I think Oregon and all of this, Daryl, has been a little bit disrespected by the AP. To be at that number nine spot, I mean, to me it just seems crazy because we saw them go to Ohio State and, and lead the entire game. I guess that Ohio State win doesn't carry as much weight as the Notre Dame one. Well, I think it's carry more because I think Ohio State is a much better football team. Yeah, and I would agree it's probably tougher to win in the shoe than in South Bend. But I do also think that Cincinnati is a little bit, you know, disadvantaged here as we head into the last part of the season because they don't have any more games against top 25 opponents, I don't think. Or maybe they... they, they I think SMU could be ranked top 25 and whoever they play in the championship game could be like French top 25. out there like Michigan for instance who's undefeated right now and they're going to play a few teams in the top 25 still so I think Michigan still controls their own destiny I agree but I guess my thing is like for example if Michigan wins out that gives Ohio State their second loss Ohio State's done that would also mean if Michigan wins out Iowa will have a loss and Cincinnati will then probably usurp Iowa, I think. So even if Michigan does win and they get, I don't think that hurts. Because if Michigan wins, that means they just body back like a couple other teams that would be in Cincinnati's way. Right. Well, I mean, that, that would be the, the cleanest way of looking at it. But what would happen if Ohio State wins out from here? If Ohio State, well, well, I mean, I guess that's vice versa. If Ohio State wins out, that means Michigan's for sure eliminated. I think that takes Iowa out of the picture. I mean, Ohio State's getting in. Uh, and here's also what I think is interesting, too. I don't know where Alabama's going to be ranked to start it, but if Alabama now loses to Georgia, they're out. Like, Alabama has to beat Georgia to get in now. I, what, what happens, though, if Ohio State wins out and they beat Iowa, they beat Michigan, they beat Michigan State, they beat Penn State. If they beat all those teams and they have one loss at the end of the season, I'm putting them in way ahead of Cincinnati. Yeah, no, Ohio State's going to get in, but then there's three other spots. Is Alabama going to beat Georgia? I think that's possible. Well, I mean, if that happens, then both then both of them are going to get in. So then that would leave up the nobody in the ACC is getting in. Uh That is possible. That part is possible. That's going to be interesting because right now, like I said, I mean, I, I would be shocked if the college football playoff committee had uh, Oregon ahead of Cincinnati, but Oklahoma over Cincinnati, I could possibly see. But 
I think the the chances of Oklahoma going undefeated are very slim to none. I don't know how you feel about that, but I would be kind of shocked if they won out. Not completely shocked. I think they've gotten through some of the harder teams now. You know, they beat Texas this weekend. Um, I think Oregon still has a shot too, Daryl. If they win the Pac-12 with one loss and they beat Ohio State, and that's on their resume, I think it's hard to put to, to leave them out of the college football playoffs. No, that's very true. That is very true. So what we're going to do is we're going to take another break and then kind of next after the break on Barbershop Sports Talk, we're going to get into our college football predictions. Kind of next after the break on Barbershop Sports Talk. Despite the fact that he led his high school to four straight state championship game appearances, very few high major recruiters looked at the six-foot-tall, 180-pounder and said, quarterback. Oh, we're back with the Barbershop Sports Talk, and now it's time for our Week 7 college football predictions. UCF at number 3, ranked Cincinnati. I'll go Cincinnati 41-21 to in blowout fashion. Number 10, Michigan State at Indiana. Uh, Michigan State's going to take care of these guys. I think it's going to be 31-21 Michigan State. I'm going to go Michigan State 32-25. At number 12, we have number 12 ranked Oklahoma State at number 25, Texas. I'm going to go Oklahoma State, and I'll say Oklahoma State 44 to Texas's 40 in a old Big 12 shootout. Auburn at 17th ranked Arkansas. Uh, I'm picking Arkansas on this one. I'll pick Arkansas 28, Auburn 21. I'm going to go Auburn uh, 20 to Arkansas's 17. Now we have number 20, Florida at LSU. Oh, man, I'm going to go with Florida here. I'll say Florida 41, LSU 32, uh, and more noise around Ed Orgeron's job. Should Ed Orgeron be fired, then? I don't think he should be, but I think there are a lot of people out there that would disagree with me. But, Ben, what has Ed done besides one magical year at LSU? I think one magical year is enough. <laughs> That's very fair. I, I guess I could see why you'd say that. But LSU needs more than one magical year. LSU's trying to compete with Alabama in the West every year. They're not trying to have one magical year and come off the radar. I'm going to I'm gonna say uh, Florida, 38 to LSU's 36. Number 21, Texas A&M at Missouri. Um, I'll go ahead and pick Missouri here. I think there's going to be a letdown after the big win last weekend for A&M. 
I'll go Missouri, 36, Texas A&M, 27. I'm going to go Texas A&M, 35, to Missouri, 30. The legend of Zach Kilsada continues. Next, we have number 11, Kentucky, at number 1, Georgia. Uh, Georgia's going to win this one, Daryl, and they're going to leave no doubt about who the better team is. I'm going to go Georgia 41, Kentucky 14. I think I'm going to do it. Upset alert, upset alert. I'm going to go Kentucky 17 to Georgia 14. You're crazy. Ben, Ben, now let me tell you. Let me tell you. We know that the Georgia, listen, the Georgia quarterback play is not stellar. We know their defense is good, but you just need a couple turnovers, get a short field, and Kentucky can sneak one. Like, Kentucky's a borderline top 10 team in the country, and it all it takes is one off day. And Ben, we saw with your Aggies, anything can happen in college football. By the way, how good of a job has Stoops done at Kentucky? Miami at UNC. I like UNC here. 37-31. I'm going to go UNC as well, particularly with De'Aaron King out for the season. And I'll say UNC 29 to Miami's 24. Number 19, BYU at Baylor. Uh, BYU bounces back here. I'll go BYU. I'll go BYU 35 to Baylor's 33. Purdue at Iowa, number two ranked Iowa. Iowa wins another grinder. I'll say Iowa 20, Purdue 13. I'm going to say Purdue 23 to Iowa's 22, another upset. Now, Ben, if this happens and I end up being correct and both Georgia and Iowa lose, you know who's going to be number one, right? <laughs> just guess for me. Don't go there, Daryl. I'm just, just asking, you know who's going to be number one? I would say Oklahoma. I, I'm telling you, who do you think the AP is going to have number one? <laughs> ben, you you just won't give Cincinnati their credit, will you? They don't play anybody. <laughs> uh, ben, Alabama, number five, Alabama at Mississippi State. Alabama bounces back here. I think they win this one. I'll say thirty-seven to seventeen. Yeah, I'm gonna go with Alabama. I'll say forty-five. To ten. Also, by the way, is Alabama going to blow out Texas A&M next year? Probably. <laughs> you don't want to poke the bear, Ben. You don't want to poke the bear, and that's what Mississippi State is running. Just because your Aggies upset them, Mississippi State's going to get the short end of the stick. Roll Tide. Uh, next up, we have TCU at number four, Iowa, Oklahoma. Um, I'll say Oklahoma 40, TCU 
I'm going to say Oklahoma 27 to TCU's 21. Uh, number 13, Mrs. Uh, Old Mess at Tennessee. I'll go Ole Miss 40 to Tennessee's 28. Number 22, NC State at Boston College. Uh, I will go with NC State here, 37-34. I'm going to go Boston College 24-21. UCLA at Washington. I'll go UCLA as well. I'll say they win 40 to Washington's 31. Number 18, Arizona State at Utah. Our Arizona State's going to get the job done here. 35-16, Arizona State. I'll go Arizona State 35 to Utah's 24. And that's all we have for the predictions for this week. Ben, thank you for coming on the podcast, man. I appreciate it. Anytime, Daryl. Thanks for having me on. And once again, I want to thank Ben Karen for coming on the show. Always appreciate it when Ben can come on. And I want to thank all of you for tuning into this episode, the 343rd episode of Barbershop Sports Talk.